It's go time. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. And in here, well, we hope it's delightful. Welcome everyone to Quick Kicks here on Third Down Gamble. Don Charbon along with Heath Graham. Pat is far away and won't be with us this week. Crazy storm rolling over top. Parts of Canada and uh, the United States got walloped last week. Here it is again. We're getting hit now. This time it's our turn. Pretty much whiteout conditions as we record from my little room here as I look out across what would be a... uh, vista that i could see until about two hours ago crazy crazy wind today we didn't get quite as much snow here but the winds are gusting into that 70 80 kilometer an hour range and and just whistling so the little bit of snow we got is going to turn into a nice sheer ice and we need to proceed with caution yes we all have to be careful who knows with this type of uh, weather that we've had it's pretty tough for road crews to keep up Getting to the matter at hand, speaking of Canadian weather, let's talk about Canadians again. The ratio is a topic of discussion with the CFLPA and the CFL in this new round of bargaining as they try to hammer out or work out a new CBA going forward. The question in everyone's mind is what is really going to be proposed when the CFL comes forward with its plan to discuss the ratio. Now, for our American audience in the Canadian Football League, call it a quota system, whatever you think fits best in your definitions, Canadians make up roughly 45% of the entire roster. On field, Canadians hold seven positions, of which you have to declare them prior to the game. The declaration is more important to which side of the ball you're on. So if you have four Canadians on offense and three on defense, you have to maintain that throughout the entire game. That's two components of the ratio. The number of Canadians on a roster, 21, and the number of Canadian starters that are required to be on the field during a game. Both are being discussed. They are, and one other note, a Canadian quarterback does not count as a Canadian as far as the ratio goes at this point as well. There's been a lot of discussion with the BC Lions and their two Canadian QBs under contract. They will not affect the ratio in that regard. They still need to have seven other Canadians as their starters. Teams that have had success in the last 10 years typically have started more than seven Canadians. Winnipeg easily started eight and at times ran as many as 10 out there during their Grey Cup years of 2019 and 2021. Saskatchewan did the same thing back in 2013. Nothing unusual about that. The question is, why does this quota have to be addressed? What is the push behind changing that ratio again? There's a lot of questions and a lot of speculation about it. And one Interesting fact that I read was the the number of registered football players in Canada has declined pretty significantly as far as youth football programs go. Therefore, you're getting a smaller talent pool from which to draw 
compared to the U.S., who has a major junior program and a massive college football program to continue to nurture the talents of these American players. So a smaller talent, talent pool equals less star caliber players on which to base a team. 27 U sport teams in Canada playing football. If you just take a small number of those graduates and say 10 per team are graduating in any given year, five of whom may want to pursue a football career. Five times 27 gets you 135 players every year that are eligible for the draft. That's just U-sport. That doesn't include the junior football conferences across Canada. To say, yes, that overall enrollment in football at certain levels is declining is true. But to say there's not enough talent? That's a good point. And I'm, I, I don't know which side of the argument I sit on exactly. I'm just looking at the numbers and what's been presented. And you say there's possibly 135 Canadian draft eligible players every year. You compare that to U.S. college players in the NFL draft. That's four rounds of NFL draft as far as depth goes. And that's everybody in Canada that's eligible for a draft. So again, you're looking at the the numbers, the sheer numbers and the talent level. On the other hand, there's an argument that having a Canadian ratio breeds complacency and the players feel almost entitled because they're Canadian. They, They feel entitled to a roster spot. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I think you're going to only get the best of the best of Canadian talent that's going to crack a CFL roster. So in my mind, the drive is higher to succeed as a Canadian than it is as an American player. If you listen to Mike O'Shea, the head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and they had these sort of coaches discussions prior to a season a few years ago, and he sat around the table and he said as a Canadian, trying to be a starter in the Canadian Football League, he felt he had to do more, prove more, because he was a Canadian. Because if you look at the coaching staffs of the CFL, especially at head coach, you do not find Canadians. And so the bias among head coaches is to go back to where they know the talent pool, which is back south of the 49th. Absolutely. And they're also relying on former coaches that they've worked with that are still involved in the American system. The general managers also, they're getting that information from people that they have worked with in the past south of the border. They're getting all of that information. They might have a loyalty to a certain university or a certain conference that they have had success recruiting from in the past. And that's where they're going to draw the most talent from. Exactly. They can't be blamed for that because you go with what you know. I'm just trusting the people that I know better than the people that I don't. Yeah, it's it's the matter of, of who you know, and we've discussed that at length previously, even for players that have played in the CFL trying to crack an NFL roster, there's that stigma that they don't know them from the past. And if we also look at the sheer number of Canadian players that are currently on NFL rosters, we're at kind of a record high. So you can't tell me that there isn't Canadian talent and players that are skilled enough to play professional football on either side of the border because we've certainly seen some prominent Canadians 
in the NFL in the last few years as well. If you think back to the 1930s, this racial conflict was even around at that time. It was taking a far different form. In 1935, when the Pegs went to the Grey Cup and won, they had eight imports on their team. The rest were all Canadians. That caused a lot of controversy between the East and the West at the time. And the rule was bantied about, and finally, in 1946, five imports were allowed. That limit was changed to seven and 50. And in 1952, it was changed again with seven imports and allowing those players that had four years experience from the States to be counted as non-imports. In 1954, when the Lions joined, the quota goes up to 10 imports, climbing ever so slowly. But every four to five years, you see two more and two more. And by 1961, uh, rosters at the size of 34 players, had 15 imports. I guess, can you look at an argument and say that the key ingredient to this is, does a Canadian football league require Canadian players? Well, if you remember back to the 90s and the U.S. expansion, that was tested in courts and and internationally. It was deemed that the American franchises did not have to have Canadian players, and only the Canadian teams did. There was a lot of grumblings about whether that gave the American teams an advantage or not. We did see one American team win a Grey Cup. However, we also saw a great American team get beat by a scrappy BC Lions team in a Grey Cup as well. I believe the CFL needs to have Canadian players. I know there's a lot of talk about if they are talented enough, they will still get that opportunity. However, we're we're looking at seven starting positions on out of 24 starters so that's not even 33 percent of the roster has to be canadian as far as the starting role and that's a number that i am comfortable with i wouldn't want to see it drop much lower than that the only thing i might agree to was dropping it to six players and have to have three on offense three on defense to kind of even that out but even then you're taking away a a spot designated to a canadian there's another part to this that I think bears asking, and that is, with the USFL now playing, with the XFL naming their coaches and likely playing in 2023, there is going to be a dearth of American talent available to Canadian teams. Regardless if the CFL is a better league in which to play, those players are going to be snapped up by those spring leagues before the CFL has a chance at them. At a moment in time when there are going to be fewer American players available to you, why would you want to knock down the Canadian ratio? Maybe it would be better to go the other way. That's a very good point. I mean, if we look at the USFL currently has eight franchises, the XFL is probably going to be a similar number. So 16 teams, you're looking at somewhere around 500 players that would otherwise be getting a look by CFL teams that are going to be signing contracts to play in in these extra American leagues. And you're right. I think it does diminish the talent pool a bit. There are certainly players in the USFL that have CFL experience and could 
continue to make CFL rosters. So it is a bit of a, a talent drain going that way. So maybe we look at eight Canadians and going four on offense, four on defense. I don't know how much more you can or should increase, but that's, again, a number that's similar to what we have now, but just changing how they fit into a lineup. I'm open to a rule where players that are long-term tenured in the CFL from the United States do get some benefit for being that committed. And I wouldn't mind seeing a three-year with one team and a five-year in the league. This would be consecutive with one team and five years overall in the league be considered a non-import or a naturalized Canadian or whatever you want to call it, but not necessarily take from the seven Canadian starters that you have, but maybe this is what I think was the proposal prior to 2021 was to add three of these players into the mix and bring the total of Canadians up to 10. So it would be three years on one team and five-year experience. You have to meet both both criteria in order to be considered the Canadian, the Canadian American, if you will. It could be less on both accounts, but I don't necessarily want to see where we take away jobs from Canadians. And this is part of the reason why they want to make changes. Salaries go up because Canadian talent is harder to find. And as such, you have to pay more when you've got some good players. Andrew Harris, for example. If you're the CFL and you want to level out the payroll or bring it down, one way to do it is to get rid of scarcity. That's interesting that you bring up Andrew Harris because I know James Wilder Jr. has been quite vocal in these last few days about salary discrepancies between Canadian and American at different positions. And being a running back was a prime example of that. He is one of the highest paid American running backs in the CFL but he, his complaint was he does not make as much as some of the premier Canadian running backs in the league. And I think the, the very reason that you spoke to is the reason why. It is rare to have a, a very skilled Canadian running back. It's a skill position. And in order to have somebody like that on your lineup, it really changes your ratio, how you suit up other players. So spending a little bit more money there can essentially save you money in some of the other positions. Now, you're the CFLPA. You're you're Brian Ramsey. They're caught in a bind because they've got to represent both sides. Ramsey's got to represent the Canadians as well as the Americans, and Elamimium has got to do the same thing going the other way. It's got to be tough when you hear Wilder say, it's not fair that he's doing the same thing I am, and what you could do, I guess, in that circumstance is, and this is something that the original XFL did, is that you just sort of have a standard pay schedule right across the board. I understand why some of these leagues have implemented basically a salary for each skilled position, or each each position, if you will. I'm not a fan of that because then you've got, if we look at even running backs in the CFL, you've got a guy like Andrew Harris who has led the league in rushing or been near the top for many, many years. Now all of a sudden he's within this, he's restrained by a 
a salary for that position. And then now he's going to be making the same as a guy who maybe gets 500 yards rushing in a season. And that just doesn't, doesn't sit well with me. And I think we need to reward the star players and get them excited to be a part of it. Okay. Well, two things that you could do with that. One, you could have a base salary plus value for a victory, i.e. you win money every time you win a game. And secondly, what about personal rewards? If you lead the league in rushing, you get another bonus. Or if you're second or third or fourth or fifth, you could look at bonus structures and still keep everything within a a strong salary cap that the CFL definitely needs. There are, again, it takes a lot of lateral thinking to do this. But if Harris is running well and Winnipeg is winning football games, he's he and the team are going to make more money because they're winning. It's an interesting philosophy and an interesting way to look at it. On the other hand, even if we look, we shift gears to quarterbacks and we've got somebody like Nathan Rourke, who is probably going to be the starter with the BC Lions this coming season. He is a a salary cap darling for the BC Lions right now because he's being paid so low versus Bo Levi Mitchell. And again, the the star power of Bo Levi, he's won championships, he's won passing titles, etc. And so I just don't see them being on, on the same playing field as far as the salary goes. I understand where you're going with a, a bonus structure that, that pays incentives but I just don't think it's the way to go to establish your contracts by by blanketing everybody under the same same level of pay. If if a player is doing well and their team is winning, they make more money. But also the other thing too is that you're gonna you may get other deals, uh, sponsorship deals, whatever the case may be, that would help augment your situation because you are Bo Levi Mitchell and you are on the Stampeders and they are winning championships. You get those types of perks as well, which don't necessarily have to factor into a salary cap. It's not impossible for Mitchell and Rourke to make the same dollar on May 1st, but at the end of the season, Mitchell makes a lot more because maybe the Stampeders won that season and BC finished third. I know the original XFL had looked at that uh, pay the winners structure initially as well, which was an interesting concept in that the the team that won the game got a bit of a bonus. And I know that was the big thing with their their championship game, which it was a million dollars split amongst the team, which doesn't seem like all of that much in today's world as far as professional athletes go. It's still a, a good chunk of money, but... 20 years ago in that initial run of the XFL, it was a big bonus for those guys uh, to play for that extra money in the championship game. Well, the CFL has a playoff structure where you get bonus money in the playoffs if you continue on. So that could be a, a significant bonus structure. And we heard some players speak to that when they were negotiating their contracts in this free agency season. Stanley Bryant is one that comes to my mind, and I believe Jamarcus Hardrick as well, two offensive linemen for Winnipeg said that they had higher offers and it wasn't a ton. It was about $15,000 for one of them, I believe. And he basically said, why would I leave for that? I have a team right now that I believe is going to win a third championship in a row. The bonus money that I am going to make by winning a third Grey Cup here far offsets what I could potentially get for walking away from this team and joining somebody new. (laughs) 
CFL players all wear a face mask for safety. With COVID-19 on our field, we also need to wear our masks to keep everyone safe. Do your part. Be a team player. If your contention is, is that the ratio skews salaries up, you've got to make it fair after this is all settled so that it's just not necessarily a salary grab where everybody's coming down because the Canadians are gone. I agree. And as much as James Wilder wants to voice his concerns about the way the salary structure is now, the fact of the matter is that he has signed on to another season in the CFL. So things can't be all bad. The salary cap is a huge issue because I know the Players Association would love to see it go up. No one's a villain in this. Each is trying to exact what they can. But it's, I, I just don't, I don't agree with the the notion that Canadians, there aren't enough of them or enough talented of them to make it happen. I know Ambrosi pointed to the NHL and said there's no quota in the NHL and Canadians dominate. When I was younger in, in the 1980s, I believe the NHL still had about 90% Canadian players. Now, we were also still in the Cold War, the Iron Curtain. A lot of Soviet players couldn't get over to to Canada and the U.S. to play. So that changed things a little bit as well. And now we're down to somewhere in the 60% range of Canadians in the NHL. I don't think that's ever going to go away. Canada's a hockey nation and we have more junior hockey players than anywhere else in the world. You can't tell me that a number of Canadians would not be where it is now if we had a ratio. The ratio in, this, in the NHL doesn't make sense because your, your Canadian talent still dominates, even though it's only 60% now. It's still the, the, the dominant funnel of players into the NHL. Does John Cornish have the career he has if there's no ratio and he's not protected so that the Stampeders can develop him? Well, if Cornish isn't ready when he comes out of the NCAA, does he have a chance? Because they're just going to, they want a starter. They don't, they won't care to develop anybody. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I, I, I don't think that either one of us is going to sit here and say that the ratio should disappear that we shouldn't have designated spots for Canadians. Um, I'm curious, what's your ideal ratio? How would you like to see it line up? I would go with eight. I would say four on offense, four on defense. And I would allow for two non-imports to make it 10. So you have to have at least 10 of a mix of Canadians and non-imports. And then, of course, I would add a global starter in that mix. So 11 players would be allotted that you have to have on the field. And then the other 13, do with what you will. And with the naturalized Canadians, there's no saying that you have to have those two. They could be other born Canadians on there to get your number up to 10 as well. I wouldn't want to see the the naturalized Canadians taking away spots from the current number of, of Canadian players that we have of that seven. But I do like the idea of, of kind of adding those two extras in. And what I see it doing is it helps create that longevity of a player with a franchise and within the CFL. So you take 
looking at the Hamilton Tiger Cats, for example, I know they lost Brandon Banks this year, but but Brandon Banks and Simone Lawrence would be prime examples of where that would work for for a team like Hamilton. Those two are stalwart players with that franchise. They were there for for many many seasons, and that's a little kind of bonus to both them and to the Tiger Cats for making that work long term. Ben Cahoon, Cameron Judge, Alex Singleton, all three got in as Canadians because of parentage. I don't have a problem with that. We do see American players coming up to Canada and playing in U sport to get that starting role, to get noticed, and maybe to look at getting in the Canadian Football League. You take away the ratio, that stuff starts to go further and further out the window. And to what end? What, to what purpose? Other than the dollars, because maybe you think Canadians are being overpaid. Other than the dollars, what, to what end are you doing? I don't hear anybody on the, I don't like the CFL side, say, oh, there's too many Canadians. No, absolutely. And not only the Canadians, but you look at the, the hometown or home province players what kind of ovation did a player like Chris Getzlaff get here in Saskatchewan when he was suiting up for the, the Riders or somebody like Brandon Labatt and Andrew Harris and Nick Dembski in Winnipeg? The list goes on. I know, especially in, in Montreal, they get a lot of their talent from the universities in Quebec and that, that just gets more and more loyalty and the fans just go absolutely crazy when one of their hometown players has a prominent role on that team. Uh, this whole business, and, and it's something I, I have to say that I, I have liked a lot of what Randy Ambrosia has done, but on this issue, him and I depart. And he takes his path and I'll take mine. He has, he has hinted at this from almost day one that the ratio is something that needs to be revisited. He, I, he, I know he's not anti-Canadian, and I know he's looking at this from a business sense. There's something about the charm of the CFL that we, as fans, still have local heroes on that field. And it doesn't mean they don't belong there. It just may mean they might take an extra year to get there. Fans love offense. In baseball, they dig the home run. You look at what all of these different leagues have done to increase offense once the defense kind of gets the upper hand. The NHL took out the red line and eliminated the neutral zone trap. They've changed where and how the goaltenders can handle the puck. In basketball, they added the three-point line. Now They've now got a, a defensive three-second rule. They make all of these changes. Even look at curling, and they, they change the free guard zone to try to generate more offense. Defense finds a way, and eventually you have to adapt in order to get that excitement and that offense back into the game. I believe that's a point we are at with the CFL right now, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the birth certificate of who's on the field. Baseball, given its predilection to enhance the home run stats, has suffered, I think, because it's a one and done all the time. The ball is up, it's out, and it's over where if you play small ball and there are runners on base and they're moving around and there's a lot of activity, I think you get engage the fans a lot more. And this is what I'm saying about the CFL. You have more plays played, you get the fans more engaged. But on third down, so help me, I have seen 
third and three, and they'll walk over to the coach and like, what are you going to do? And that clock is tick, 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 tick. Well, what am I paying my money to watch a head coach mull over what he wants to do next? I'm not there to see people do that. I'm paying to watch those players perform because they are the elite athletes. I'm with you 100% on that one. It, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. It seems like it's, ever since Ambrosi's got here, this whole business of the ratio was going to come to a head. And, and in this negotiation, I have no doubt that it's going to make it, that something is going to change. Now, what? It might be, it's sort of like an opening salvo where you push and say, well, we might just take this away. When in fact, what you're trying to do is get the Americans that have experience counting as a non-import. They may want to take away a spot to allow for another. It's just, if you want to save money, cut down the rosters. You don't need that over 40 players. You've got enough substitutions with 38. And I think what it boils down to as well, as much as I would love to see the salary cap increase and and everybody make more money, the financial situation of the CFL over these last two years has been very difficult. We all know losing the entire 2020 season was devastating to the league and having a shortened 2021 season crowd limits at the start of the season out east as much as i would like to see the payers the players get rewarded we're in a situation right now where we just need to get back to an even keel and a break even point before we can really start addressing how much that salary cap should increase we've already got a coach's quota and a coach's cap and that's in part to address competitive balance I agree with you. I don't know that we're going to see much of an increase in the salary cap. I would like to see somehow that if online, in-game betting, whatever Genius Sports can provide to engage fans more and promote the product across the world, if that comes to fruition and starts generating revenues that the CFL finds itself in in a much more balanced situation. I would like to see the players rewarded a little bit for that. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to give them a little bit of a boost. We look at revenue sharing in a lot of collective bargaining agreements across professional sports and the CFL isn't kind of in that same situation. And even you look at the National Hockey League and how much players have to pay in escrow just in case the revenue doesn't get to where the the salaries are at that revenue sharing threshold. I don't think the CFL can afford and the CFL players can afford to look at that system, but absolutely if we are increasing the gambling revenue in the league, how that is shared and distributed can certainly give those players a little bit of a boost. Anything to make it equitable for both sides I'm in favor of another big part of the revenue in the CFL comes from the TV deals and uh, TSN has been great in a lot of ways for the CFL in that they have got every game televised the downside right now in my mind is not having CFL games broadcast on a on a free national broadcaster Bell also has CTV. Why aren't there 
a game of the week on the CTV networks as opposed to the TSN. It's going to draw some more eyes in in my mind. I, I don't think we need to look at sharing it across Sportsnet, CBC, etc. I think the the Bell family itself has enough resources and enough channels, but I believe that we can spread the game around a little bit, have that Grey Cup on CTV as well, and and draw some more interest that way. A lot of people wonder why the NFL has gone the route it has and why the CFL has gone the route it has. And the bottom line is television. Three or four major networks in the United States vying for a piece of that pie has driven the television expenditures on football so far up that teams can play in front of empty stadiums in the States and still make a profit. They can. And at this point, it doesn't, and and I'm not behind the scenes, I'm not in these boardrooms, but it doesn't seem like Rogers and Sportsnet has much interest in the CFL at all right now. I know they went hard on the NHL broadcast rights the last time that came up. And, and they seem to have focused there and it's a, it's too bad. So maybe a, a sharing of it would draw that interest and, and make each network step up their game and their coverage a little bit in that regard as well. As a little kid, when I started following the CFL, there were games on CTV and games on CBC. And maybe you sell Friday Night Football as its own package. The Saturday games could be carried as they used to be, CBC used to have a Saturday afternoon game. Maybe they need to be back in the mix. I mean, I think it would absolutely. And like I said, you've got CTV and CBC as national channels that are in the any basic cable package. A lot of places you pay extra to get TSN, you pay extra to get Sportsnet. So to have the availability of seeing these games, Hockey Night in Canada is a staple on CBC and has been for generations and everybody who has any kind of TV package in Canada can watch hockey night in Canada. If we had a, if we had a CFL game in that same caliber and that same time slot where everybody knows it's on, on free TV. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble podcast. Audio worth watching.